Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. A lot of conversations going on this week in terms of getting people out of Afghanistan, uh, not only U.S. military and those uh, working at the embassy uh, and citizens in general, but uh, our allies, those who stood shoulder to shoulder with the U.S. military, serving as interpreters, guides, contractors, uh, and uh, so much over the last 20 years. And, you know, every once in a while around here, you you see something happen that's just sort of magical. Uh, and it's when a, a team, a radio team comes together around an important story to connect it to the individual level. Uh, it's all about that power of connection. It's so hard for us to wrap our heads around tens of thousands of, of Afghanis or millions of people dealing with this. But when you get down to the one there's a real story, and this morning on Dave and Dejanovic, uh, Dave Noriega uh, had the opportunity to to do just that, and of course he did that uh, with his extraordinary team on Dave and Dejanovic. Caitlin, Carlos, Gustavo, and Jessica in the Jesse in the booth uh, all came together to make just an amazing story happen. Dave joins us in studio. Uh, just give us some of the the backdrop to this. It really ended up being kind of an overwhelming. Uh, experience for me because we do we watch these national uh, videos that are that are coming out and we see the crowded streets in afghanistan and the uh the the overrun airport and people cling to the side and what we did is we were able to find uh through a u.s military member a former u.s military member uh an interpreter that he had worked with about a decade ago in afghanistan someone that he's still very very close with well, that interpreter, his name's Fardeen, and Fardeen, after working with the military, after uh, you know, really having a great career, immigrates to America, joins the American Army. Wow! As soon as he lands, he goes to the recruiting office and signs up. Wow! Incredible story. Uh, and where it gets scary is. His family's behind. Mm -hmm. And now that the Taliban has overtaken the country, the family is terrified. Because not only did Fardeen help the Americans, now he has joined the Americans. Yeah. And now his brother, Fro, who we talked with in Afghanistan, live, as he was trying to get into the airport, was being turned away. Yeah, and this is interesting. So this is from uh, Dave's conversation with Fro. He's in Afghanistan. Again, his brother 
uh, was an interpreter uh, for the U.S. Army, is now a member of the U.S. Army uh, and living here in the U.S. But he's trying to escape. And just listen, this is uh, this is live from Afghanistan. This is somebody who is concerned for their safety and looking at the options of how to get out of the country. Take a listen. The only choice we have right now to save our life or to remain alive is to get out of the situation or get out of get out of this country. And getting into the airport is the only choice we have. But when we get uh, to airport, there are U.S. militaries that don't let us go in. Uh, they're just asking uh, for U.S. passports or they're just asking about uh, green cards or visas. So we don't have these documents. We just have Afghan passport and visa and email and our email address. So this is not enough for them. They, they are just asking for U.S. passport. So, Dave, when you heard that, that he's not being held up by the Taliban, he's he's being refused entry, even though he's got all the right documents, by the U.S. military. My heart broke. My heart broke because, listen, there's a lot of people that want out of that country, that are desperate to get out of that country. And... As we were talking to Fro, he said, as soon as the Taliban finds out that my brother not only helped the U.S. military, but then joined, joined them, yeah. he said, we will be killed. He didn't equivocate. He said, we will be killed. He won't even go out into the streets alone. He takes his entire family, 11 members, mm. and they're going to the airport, and the U.S. military is just turning people away. All we are accepting is is U.S. passports. Wow. And I understand that that is the priority. Sure. But because we don't have a good system set up right. to handle these refugees and to hear their stories, that we are overwhelmed, that we are just trying to survive, and that we're just trying to get as many people out as we can that are Americans – we are just running over people that have sacrificed so much for our country. Yeah, so, so important. And again, we know, we know from the Pentagon briefings that they're only uh, functioning at just a fraction of capacity. They're talking about we can we can get 9,000 people out a day and they're getting about 1,800 out. Uh, surely there's space uh, on those yes. planes and why that's not working. We do know that a, uh, a bipartisan effort uh, is urging. It's uh, coming out of the U.S. Senate, urging the administration uh, to really change the dynamics of all of these, especially those who do have the the documents for this uh, special visa permits. Uh, and so and I, I want to go uh, quick, Dave, to uh, part of your conversation with Fardeen, who's, uh, again, the former interpreter, member of the U.S. military, and just him sharing his frustration uh, with the U.S. response to interpreters and his family in particular. What happened to, to my service? Like, I, I served the, the U.S. government, the U.S. military as an interpreter, became as a soldier, and then at the end, with all the service, like me, there are hundreds of Af other Afghani interpreters who did the same thing as I did. And now we're in a situation that we cannot save our own family members. Uh, man, that is, uh, that is gut-wrenching. and uh, He's exasperated. Yeah. He's like, I, I helped you guys, and I'm, 
I, I didn't ask for anything, but now I do. Now yeah. I need some help. Yeah, and I joined you guys. And I joined you. <laughs> I'm one of you. Yeah. Uh, so tell me tell me a little bit more as you went through that conversation. And, uh, again, if you missed it this morning on Dave and Janovic, go check out the podcast. This was, this was about 45 minutes of must-listen-to radio and just so insightful in terms of what is really happening on the ground, what isn't happening on the ground. Uh, and, uh, Dave, I want you to weigh in, uh, just one more, uh, clip from Fardeen who, who we've heard a lot about the new Taliban, the kinder, gentler Taliban. Uh, f- this is what Fardeen had to say about the new Taliban. I would never trust Taliban what they say because they're not a, a, a word. They, they cannot keep their word. They, they already started doing what they were doing 20 years ago or before 20 years in Afghanistan. You can just feel that like free fall 20 years back well fool me once right yeah and how many times are we going to put our trust or believe the words uh, of terrorists or of governments that repeatedly lie to us steal from us uh and oppress their own people how often are we going to say well it's going to be different this time when you see people that are literally hanging on the side of military transport planes that are getting trapped in these uh, in the landing gear, it, it's gruesome, it, but it's the desperation. Yeah. And as we were talking to Fardeen, who, again, has been able to immigrate to America, has been able to join the U.S. military, and he realizes, and there's this guilt within him, that his family is paying the price for what he did, for the choices he made. So it's not just the guilt. It's a desperation. Yeah. And when you listen to this, this family, Fro, and you know 11 other family members that are just walking around trying to convince, they go multiple times a day to the airport, just hoping that they can get in. Yeah. Now, as you said, Boyd, we are evacuating people far, far under capacity. Yeah. If we can get out seven to 9,000 people a day and we're getting out a quarter of that, listen, if we take the wrong people, we can send them back. That's right. Right? There but right now options. it's like, well, we want to make sure that everybody is cleared. Yeah, and and so challenging. And, and I think the important thing for all of us to keep in mind, and this is one of the things that I thought, uh, Dave, that you did so well today was to to just let that story unfold, and again, from somewhere in the U.S. to downtown Kabul, uh, it, it is real, it is alive, and, and these are real people. It, it's so easy for us to get lost in the politics of who's to blame and who's at fault and why didn't we do this and did we know that was going to happen and if we knew that, why not this? And we can do that till the cows come home. Uh, that's not going to help Fro get out of out of Kabul. That's not going to help uh, uh, Fardin's family from getting out and being safe and not being uh, hurt by the Taliban. Uh, And it's these personal stories that uh, we have to get back to. One of the things that was so humbling, and we were doing this video chat, uh, and the technology made it better and worse at the same time. Right. To actually see his face, to put a face to the voice, to see the family in the background, to see them milling around. But they were wearing a shirt and some pants, and that's it. Mm. They didn't have suitcases. They didn't have, uh, Fardin joked, he said, we're not bringing our microwaves. (laughs) 
we are coming with what, we have. Ba- with what yeah. we have. We yeah. we've left everything behind mm. because we just need a spot. We need we need a few inches on a plane. We will squeeze in. We will lapse it. We will do whatever it takes. Yeah. And let us figure it out. And Fardine, again, lives in the United States. There's a place for them. There's a yeah. there's a family member. There's a connection. They speak the language. I mean, if there's not a place for Fardine's family, do we have a place for anybody? Yeah. Great insight. Uh, great interview today on Dave and Janovic. Dave Noriega, thanks for joining us in studio. This is compelling. Go listen to the podcast. Uh, it will be worth your day. It will cause you to think and think again and think a little different. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources. We'll be back with hour number two coming up next right here on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.